You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Hey there, Joe. Good to talk to you again. Yes, it feels like ages. It's good to be back, Richard. <laughs> yeah, so two or three weeks with a holiday break and, yes. uh, and so on. Yes. Um, what's been happening? Well, I have to tell everyone about how... Um, I ended up in the Northern Territory visiting my sister and her husband and their toddler twins, Ada mm-hmm. and Henry. And <laughs> I have to tell everyone about this moment where we, we got locked down, but right at the end of the lockdown, we were able to, once the lockdown ended, we got to go to the Territory Wildlife Park where one of the features is you get to feed the wallabies. Oh, great. So we, yeah. So we take these toddlers and there's just these bits of carrot and wallaby feed strewn around and you're literally just standing around all these wallabies eating. And mm. I was looking at the carrot thinking, I reckon those toddlers are going to go for it. I reckon they're going to have a crack at that carrot themselves. But they didn't. <laughs> but trying to watch two kids as they try to shove carrot in the faces of wallabies while also gently patting but not really gently. You know how a toddler is. They're, you know, they're trying but they really don't know how to be gentle. It was mayhem. There were three <laughs> adults, two children, about six or seven wallabies, and it was just like the most stressful thing ever. <laughs> But adorable at the same time because particularly Ada was just so keen for the wallabies to eat her carrot, but they were yeah. full. They'd had enough. And so she was just like <laughs> going from one wallaby to the next. Here's my carrot. <laughs> no one will take my carrot. Yes. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. Tragic. Oh, but, yeah, it was fun watching them explore animal yeah, animal enclosures and, yeah, it was lovely. It was really yeah. good. Did you – so could you reach out and, and touch the wallabies? Or oh, yeah, you were just standing them? amongst them. They were literally yeah. at your feet. You just would pat them like a puppy. Um, yeah. Which was quite enjoyable, yeah. But also, Richard, mm-hmm. I got to hang out with some old friends, the Barrys, mm-hmm. and I- this is my shout-out to them because they have been listening along from Darwin and <laughs> it was so nice to catch up with them and I told them, oh, I'm so thrilled that you – are keeping up with life here through our podcast. But um, yeah, it was lovely to see their life up there and um, as they're settling into Darwin life. It was very tropical and it was, yeah, yeah. It was great. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and are you fond of native wildlife yourself, Joe? Oh. Or is that coloured by your farm experience? <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. It was There were some quite fascinating facts about um, different animals and different species and we quite enjoyed it, but it was always. Um, <laughs> did you just sneeze? I did. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. We'll keep going. Um, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was fascinating to learn about different aquatic animals as well as um, land dwelling animals and birds. Yeah, it was. It yeah, was yeah. really nice. There was one nocturnal exhibit where you walk around in the dark and you look at all these nocturnal animals. Oh, I and love those. Was, yeah, there was a super huge snake at one point, and <laughs> I was not keen on that one. But the rest was fascinating. Yeah. Okay, you're not a big snake person. Absolutely not. No, snakes and I, we're not friends. Mm. <laughs> what about you, Richard? How was your holidays? Uh, well, I feel like I've got lots of stories from my holidays, but I might, since we're on native animals, I might share something that happened yesterday. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that is some bizarre possum, possum behaviour. Interesting. Um, we have a brush possum that lives around our place. Yeah. And they, I see him run along the, the fence or up and down trees. And yesterday we had a delivery of some stuff in our carport, just an open carport, and yeah. I went down there to get it. And the possum was curled up in a ball, just napping next to my delivery in the carport. And I kind of walked up right to it and sort of said, hello, possum, what are you doing <laughs> napping 
in my carport. <laughs> and the, the possum was just like a, a, a cat, you know, lying there, no care in the world, wasn't worried about danger or anything. <laughs> and uh, I di- it didn't look sick. I mean, it didn't look dead to start with. It was clearly b- breathing. And yeah. It didn't look sick. And I thought to myself, what, what's going on, possum? You're supposed to be more aware of danger. Uh, and why are you rolled up just napping in my carport? And so I... <laughs> I just carried on unpacking the stuff and sorting things out and, you know, with a box cutter and everything. And, um, and you just stayed there? Uh, and it stayed there. It was there most of the uh, afternoon, but it was gone this morning. So it's so random. I'm glad it's gone. I was a bit worried it was ill or it was going to die or something, and then I'd have that whole question of what to do with it. But Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, interesting possum behaviour. Have you seen anything like that in your experience with brush possums? I mean, I don't have much. Ex- I don't have much experience with possums at all. All <laughs> I, uh, okay, okay. I just have only ever heard about possums from New Zealand and about how they're pest and they yeah. get possum fur. Yeah, and yeah. so for me, possums, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't really know what yeah. to do with them when I see them. I'm like, are you a pest? <laughs> You're native. Mm. My, my men's group last night, when I told them the story, were very anti-possum. One of them right. offered to dispatch the possum right then and there. I <laughs> <laughs> got serious quickly. <laughs> yeah. I thought, no, 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 it's, it's all right. It's native. We can live together. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's staying out of my walls and my Your house. roof. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's a, my experience with native wildlife just recently was a very relaxed, dozy possum. That's <laughs> crazy. Carport. Here's the question. Will yeah. you give him a name? Oh, no. Okay. No, right. I very rarely give anything names. Me too. And so I just wanted to make sure we're on the same page. No judgment for those who do, but I don't want to emotionally connect with an animal that could potentially die. No, so Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, anyway, uh, we should talk about the Bible. Yeah, let's talk some Bible stuff. What are you reading in the Bible at the moment, Joe? Well, I've been in Matthew 8, mainly because I don't know if you did this while you were at NYC, Richard, but I happened to glance at the manuscript discovery sheets. Mm-hmm. And, of course, um, if anyone's listening along and they don't know what MYC and Manuscript Discovery are, MYC is our mid-year conference for our uni students. Uh, it was incredible last week, diving deep into God's word, loving God more on the topic of love and um, worship. And part of the joy of MYC every year is that the students get together without any pastors or teachers around, just each other. Um, and they get given some words from the Bible which have no verse markings or chapter markings, and they get to spend um, a bit of time every day together trying to work out how to understand this passage, what's it saying about God, what's it saying about Jesus, what's it saying about us and the world, and um, how do we understand it, and wrestling through together and letting seeing the Spirit at work in them as a group. And um, it's meant to be this really great way of exploring the text without any structural hints at all. And I looked at the piece of paper and I thought, I'm going to do that. And so I've been doing the manuscript discovery of the passage uh, from NYC and it's, I've come across something that I've realised I've always assumed I understood but as I've been thinking about the last couple of days, it's actually really such an interesting thing to think about. So Matthew mm. 8, um, yeah. I'm going to read it to us, verse 18 uh, for a few verses. I'll read it. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. So it's this little subsection. It's really clear 
that it's a little subsection when you're doing the manuscript discovery because there's a, a signaling word at the beginning of this section mm. and there's a signaling word to start the next section where Jesus gets into the boat with his disciples. But what I find interesting about this is the fact that the Son of Man, Jesus talking about himself in verse 20, has no place to lay his head. Mm. The crazy thing is he goes to sleep in the next story. And so you're like, oh, it's not actually that he doesn't sleep. It's that I think it's this idea that this is not his home. The foxes have dens, that's their home. Birds have yeah. nests, that's their home. The Son yeah. of Man has no home here on earth. Yeah. And the thing that's blown my mind is that Jesus made the earth. He created yeah. it. He he completely had he has complete knowledge of it. He sustains it, holds it together, one Colossians Colossians one, and yet it's not his home. Mm. And I can't get my mind off that. It just <laughs> it's just such a an interesting thing. It shows how much he's come to the world with a purpose, but also that he intended to leave the world and that this was not his forever home. And so therefore it shouldn't be ours. And Anyway, yeah. what are you There's, thinking as I'm talking? Yeah, like he's, he owns the whole world, the whole universe. Every house he walked past stayed in, he yes. owns yes. Um, as the son of man, son of God. Yes. But he chose to take nothing for himself. Yes. Um, no home ownership, mm. there, just um, moving around for the sake of ministry. Um, yes, I think I agree. Yes, yeah, just shows how focused he is on his Mission, mm. teaching, mm. proclaiming the kingdom of God, mm. making his way to the cross. Mm. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm it's blind. interesting you just added something more to my understanding because I hadn't even thought about the fact that he didn't have a house itself. I was more just thinking about conceptually this is not his this 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 world is not his home. But you've yeah. taken it to the next level, which is, yeah, we don't ever hear of him returning to a home base necessarily, that he's got a hometown where he was raised, but he, mm. he left it and he was, you know, a nomadic minister with his ministry yeah. team yeah. from the minute his public ministry started. And that's part of his way of designing it, mm. that, that he's, he's sovereign over that. <laughs> like he's sent by the Father, but he can decide that. And yeah. yeah. I just imagine Jesus, you know, staying in a different house, being shown the spare room, mm. um, you know, wandering, trying to find the, the – get the bath to work or the yes. uh, uh, various setups and yeah. the odd things about different places he stayed. Yeah, mm. it's very kind of, you know, he's human. He's one of us mm. going through all those times of, uh, yeah, staying over at people's places. Mm. Mm. And, and I think the in- it's interesting as well that he uses foxes and birds because he designed the fact that foxes would have dens and he designed the fact that birds would have nests he, he's mm. so he's so able to create mm. a home for himself in this yeah, world, yeah. and yet he's here for such a short amount of time, and he's gone back to the Father. And you can see how much it just made me think about how Jesus at at the Father's right hand right now. That's mm. where he was going. That's where he was heading to. And yeah, yeah. that this that you see the continuity of this isn't where I'm going to lay my head. Where am I going? Well, I'm going to go around all these different towns. Um, I'm going to share as much of myself as I can, preaching mm. about how I'm the fulfillment of all the promises of the Old Testament, how I'm you know, the way, the truth, and the life. But then I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And obviously helpful for us as we um, try and avoid getting too attached to this earth, this world. This yes, time. yes. Um, 
yeah, he is our uh, he is our king, so we follow him. Definitely, yeah. Mm. It's been interesting as well. I'm currently in the process of thinking about purchasing a house in Newcastle, mm. and it's been this really interesting thing to reflect on: um, the idea of Jesus, the discomfort of him not having a place to lay his head, and mm. it's just heightened that thinking about him because I'm thinking about, oh, where do I? How do I find a place, a wise place to lay my head? Essentially, yeah. yes. <laughs> Just the contrast. <laughs> it's not yeah, to say yeah. what I'm doing is wrong, just more it's really enlivened my thinking about Jesus. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's great. Mm. Anyway. Well, thank you for bringing us some manuscript discovery insights. Yes, yeah. and if you would like to do manuscript discovery on Babel, Bible Gateway, you can actually do that. You can change the settings so that it um, removes all the markers. So you can do it yourself if you'd like to. Oh, great tip. Mm. Mm. Anyway, what have you been reading, brother? Oh, I thought I'd share a book I'm reading at the moment called uh, Revival and Revivalism, The Making and Marring of American Evangelicalism, 1750 to 1858 hmm. by Ian H. Murray. And uh, I've read one of his books before, but this book was one of those things where you know how people kind of declutter their bookshelves? Oh, yeah. Old pastors um, move house and, and declutter their bookshelves. And mm. normally they go straight to, you know, a better place. But... Um, <laughs> air quotes there but uh, this one I actually pulled off and um, I've shared in this podcast before about reading enjoying um, uh, Whitfield's George Whitfield's biography um, and reading about Australian evangelical history so I'm finding that um, uh, and I just picked this up because I was needing a bit of spiritual refreshment and I thought oh let's let's give this one a go Mm. Um, enjoying history actually and having it integrate a little bit more as I as I keep reading, you know, one or two history books each year. Mm. And uh, in this book, he uh, shares about the founding of the uh, the University of Princeton. Um, mm. You might have heard of Princeton. It's yes. a, a bit fancy. And um, that was originally uh, well, one hall of it. The, the very first hall of it um, was founded by Presbyterians to train pastors. Mm. And uh, there's a great, great quote about... Um, what the meal arrangement was for the residents there. And you, you and I have both been to theological college mm. and have been in a college dining room. And so I'll share this quote just because it's quite funny um, compared to our experience. So uh, here's the, uh, the about the college cuisine. Uh, Tea and coffee are served up for breakfast. At dinner they have, in turn, almost all the variety of fish and flesh the country here affords <laughs> and sometimes pies. Every dish of the same sort and alike dressed on one day, but with as great difference as to the kinds of provision and manner of cookery on different days as the market and other circumstances will admit. Indeed, no luxurious dainties or costly delicacies can be looked for among the viands of a college where health and economy are alone consulted in the furniture of the tables. These, however, are plentifully supplied without weight or measure allowance, and the meals are conducted with regularity and decorum, waiters being constantly in attendance. The general table drink is small beer or cider. For supper, milk only is the standing allowance. Chocolate is sometimes served as a change. (laughs) Waiters are always on hand. Now, that is definitely not my experience. (laughs) We have some friends still, yeah, more college and on residential. I don't (laughs) don't think they've had waiters or beer or cider for dinner. So um. (laughs) I I find it interesting. What did they – so – they're trying to explain essentially what life at Princeton was like. Were mm. what were the origins of this place? Was it quite wholehearted going out into ministry, or was it more the deepening like study, academic study of the word? Or yeah, it was. Um, uh, it was um, 
a thorough, well-rounded education for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which in meant, meant Greek, Latin, Hebrew, um, uh, some other history and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, the expectation that m- uh, half of those graduates would move on to Christian ministry, maybe with a bit of extra training, or sure, something like that. So, but it was set up. There was fundraising that George Whitfield helped with, and wow, was like, let's get together, build a venue, a hall, a space that where we could train. Um, train preachers of the gospel into the growing um yeah american colonies so wow. um, so what yeah, year I, was that uh that was about 1756 yeah okay yeah wow so, uh, um there you go that's um, fascinating some things are similar some things are different but um <laughs> it's encouraging to read about theological education uh, the various characters of this book uh, characters in this book i am yeah being uh, challenged and encouraged by so yes. we'll see how we go well, I'm interested to hear more about that because I think um, having an insight about where Christianity, um, f- how it was formed in the US and how it was formed in the UK and how it was formed later in Australia um, as, yeah, over time, I find those things incredibly fascinating because it does also shape how Christian, just general Christian culture goes and you've got such big influences in both the US and the UK that influence Australian mm. Christianity. So I think understanding that has always been beneficial to me. I just don't automatically go and look for it. So I'm thankful that you're doing that work and I yeah. look forward to hearing more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll see if I manage to share a few more insights as we go along. <laughs> awesome. Well, it has been uh, gr- great chatting about native wildlife mm. and uh, hearing about the uh, the success of your family members in mm. feeding carrots to wallabies. <laughs> and a shout out to the Barrys, of course, our old friends, mm. dear friends, yeah. who we miss. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, uh, good to catch up again. Hopefully yeah. we're in for a great rhythm of podcasts over the coming months. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'll chat to you some more next week. Sounds good. See you, brother. Bye.